reading from the Gospel of Luke. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a city of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. When I was about uh, 18 years old, I uh, experienced a bit of a reversion uh, to the faith. I don't necessarily call it a conversion because I never stopped believing in God, but just like many teenagers, I just got intensely distracted. And so when I was 18, I experienced this reversion uh, back to the Lord. And almost immediately, I began devouring books on prayer, on spirituality, so that I could grow in this newfound relationship with God that I had just discovered. And I read everything I could get my hands on, things from Carmelites, things from Benedictines, Franciscans. And I would adapt certain things to their spirituality that I found attractive and that applied to me. But ultimately, after some time, I always felt like there was something missing. And so I remember eventually I asked myself one day, well, how is it that I came to know Jesus? And as soon as I asked that question, I knew what the answer was, because it was through Mary. Very early in, in my conversion, um, I began praying the rosary without having no clue what it was. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, maybe that's not a good sort of criterion. Maybe it's too subjective for me. And so I asked myself again, How did I come, or how did Jesus come to us? And again, what's the obvious answer? It's through Mary. And so it was then that I realized, first and foremost, before I would ever be a Franciscan, that my spirituality had to be Marian. Not because I considered it beautiful and fruitful, though obviously it certainly was, but because it was the way that Jesus chose for himself. It was how Jesus chose to reveal himself to us. 
And what specifically is that way? St. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, When the time had fully come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman. Mary is the way in which Jesus chose to reveal himself to the world. And I think that can seem somewhat simple, and obviously we know that. But how extremely important is that? There is no other way in which Jesus came to us than through Mary. He could have chosen an infinite number of ways to reveal himself to us. But ultimately, it would be through Mary. St. Louis de Montfort says that if we wish to go to him and to seek union with him, we must use the same means in which he used in coming down from heaven to assume our human nature. And that means was a complete dependence on Mary, his mother. I believe that that quote is extremely, extremely important because of what it reminds us of. It reminds us that there is nothing random about the Incarnation. That the way and the manner in which God will become man was not accidental. It was not coincidental. It was deliberately chosen. In other words, Mary, in the plan of God, was deliberately chosen to bring us Jesus. And not, of course, just one moment in time. So we're not just talking about a historical reality, but for all of eternity. When I was in college, I, was, uh, I had a roommate one semester who was evangelical. And we were both young, and we both thought we knew everything. And we would, we would have great talks about the Bible and the Lord. And occasionally we'd slip into to Mary. I would try to throw Mary in there for him. And I remember one day he said to me, he said, I don't need Mary. I have Jesus. And I just simply said to him, okay, maybe you don't need Mary. But Jesus did. And aren't we supposed to imitate her? We never talked about Mary again <laughs> after that moment. And so I mention all of this is because this is a fact of the incarnation that we are talking about. We're not just talking about pious uh, spirituality or just something that sounds nice and flowery and, and poetic. But we are talking here about the historical and theological reality of the Incarnation. By honoring Mary, we are honoring the way God chose to reveal himself to us. 
And this is why St. Louis de Montfort again will say that Mary is the safest, the easiest, the shortest, and the most perfect way of approaching Jesus. All of this is affirmed so beautifully in the Gospel account of the visitation. Mary, in her very being, by her very presence, is bringing Jesus to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Right, what is ultimately occurring here is that God is visiting his people. And how is he doing that? No longer is he leading them by the cloud by day or the fire by night that Israel had in the desert. But now he is visiting his people through the lowly and humble presence of Mary. And this, again, of course, is not a one-time historical event. But it is what Mary will do throughout all of human history. And it is what Mary will do in our lives if we let her. You know, sometimes when I uh, meet with someone, uh, let's say who's been away from the faith for a while. And sometimes they'll say to me, well, you know, I started uh, praying the rosary, or if a, a mother or a father's child has been away, and they'll say, you know, I started praying the rosary for my, for my child. I always think to myself, this person is going down. <laughs> There's no way, eventually, that they're going to be able to resist Our Lady's purity, Our Lady's holiness and her beauty. What do we pray in the Memorare? Never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection was left unaided. Within a, so back to my reversion, within a month of me praying the rosary, within that very same month, I started going to daily Mass and started studying the Bible. And people asked me, you know, what happened to you? And I'd always say, I don't know, it was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman who did this to me. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it's not everybody's story and situation, but it just shows the power of Mary's presence in our lives. And I think to <clears throat> open this up a little more deeply, to understand the significance of the visitation, we have to turn for a moment to the Old Testament. When I first discovered this, I'm sure you all probably already know this, but when I first discovered this years ago, this completely changed my life. But if we read the Gospel of the Visitation, right alongside of 2 Samuel chapter 6, we find this striking similarity that leads us to a deeply profound conclusion. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Okay, so just sort of background in mind. And in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 6, verse 2, it says, 
David arose and went to the hill country of Judah to bring up the ark of God. In the visitation we hear, Mary arose and went to the hill country of Judah to visit Elizabeth. In 2 Samuel, David exclaims, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? In the visitation, Elizabeth exclaims, Why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? 2 Samuel, David leaped before the ark as it was brought in with shouting. Visitation, John leapt in Elizabeth's womb at the sound of Mary's voice, and Elizabeth cried with a loud shout. And finally, in 2 Samuel, the ark remained in the hill country for three months. Visitation, Mary remained in the hill country for three months. What is all of this implying to us? Could this just be a coincidence? There's no possible way. St. Luke is trying to tell us and show us that the new dwelling place of God is Mary. That Mary is the ark of the new covenant. Just as the ark was a sign in the Old Covenant, or the people of the Old Testament, of the invisible God that contained the presence of God within it, now Mary is that new ark because she carries in herself the presence of the invisible God who's about to be made visible. St. Athanasius says that Mary is God's place of repose. What a beautiful line. The one place where God can find rest and peace is in Our Lady. She is the place where God found no resistance, no selfishness. But instead, faith, hope, and love in total and complete purity. So what effect does this have on our soul? How does Mary's presence in our lives affect us? Well, we could spend the rest of the week talking about them, but I'll just mention two for us, which to me seem like the most uh, noticeable. First is that Mary calms our soul. In other words, she gives us peace. You know, what is peace? A classical definition of peace is that peace is the tranquility of order. 
If only it were that easy. Right? The ultimate order in our life is not when our house or convents are cleaned or when the bills are paid, but when God's will is done. True peace occurs with the fulfillment of God's will in our lives. Peace has nothing to do at all with my age, my social status, my health, all the things that the world would say are necessary for peace. You know, I'm sure you all do too, but I know many rich, young, and healthy people who do not have peace, but who are, in fact, quite miserable. There is nothing that Mary wants and helps us more with than the fulfillment of God's will in our lives. What does she say at Cana? Do whatever he tells you. And that's not just good advice. She lives that in the, in the Annunciation when she says, let it be done to me according to your word. Her words and her actions are perfect. She never contradicts what she says by her actions. Mary's will Mary's desire is God's will. She has no other agenda than the will of God. It's a great book called uh, The Life of Union with Mary by uh, Father Emil Newbert. And he says that peace is the natural climate of Marian souls. Then he gives this beautiful image. He says that when Herod was seeking the newborn king to slaughter him, Jesus slept peacefully in the arms of his mother on the way to Egypt. This is a perfect symbol of every Marian soul. Such a soul always reposes peacefully in the arms of its mother. Jesus knows this to be true as well. What was perhaps his only consolation during his crucifixion? Seeing his mother there. So a fruit of Mary's presence in our life is peace. Because Mary assists us. And she encourages us in the only way that peace can occur, the fulfillment of God's will in our life. And the second quality is that Mary gives us strength. In the visitation 
Elizabeth comes alive in Mary's presence. It says that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary's presence strengthens her. I know for a fact that the reason that I'm even a priest or a religious is because of Our Lady's presence. It is her who has strengthened me through so many difficulties, so many challenges. And again, what does her presence strengthen us for? Again, we come back to God's will. She strengthens us. She helps gives us courage for this deeper yes that is always being asked of us every day. In every new situation, in every time of prayer, in every change of assignment, in all the challenges and the difficulties we face in life, This strength that a Marian soul experiences is obviously not for itself and its own ego, but it's ultimately geared towards the completion and the fulfillment of God's will. In other words, Mary strengthens us to become who we are supposed to be in God. So important. Mary strengthens us to become who we are supposed to be in God. We have no idea. We have a, a faint clue of who we are in God. Mary knows us perfectly in her son. And it is that person that she desires that we become and that we grow towards. And so let's not think, like some people do with sort of the prosperity gospel, Mary is not here to strengthen us with our own ideas and with our own agenda, but only God's. There is no human being that ever was or who will be who knows themselves better than Mary. Because she knows herself only in God. Imagine knowing yourself only in God. I think it's almost impossible. We know ourselves through so many different means. Our culture, our family, our history our talents, our desires. Mary knows herself only and completely in God. And so just like Elizabeth and so many others, we too are strengthened by Mary's presence. When Elizabeth sees her and hears her, 
her Elizabeth's vocation is strengthened. It's given a, a strength and a confidence that it didn't have before Mary arrived. St. Maximilian Kolbe says that the Immaculata is the highest degree of perfection and sanctity of a creature. And whoever gives himself to her without limits will in a short time attain a very high degree of perfection and procure for God a very great glory. And he'll say later, actually, the greatest glory possible to God by going through Mary. And so, regardless of our vocation, right, with all of its particular charism, with its spirituality, whether we are Franciscan, Dominican, Carthusian, whatever we are, before all of that, each one of us is Marian. And of course, it's going to look different and be expressed differently for each one of us. I, saw, <clears throat> I once saw a painting of Our Lady and all the different religious orders under her mantle. I don't know who painted that painting, but maybe I can find it. But I thought, that's exactly it. That's exactly, we all meet under Mary's mantle. Right? We come and we start from many different places and have many different journeys. But it is she who is gu guiding us all together under her mantle. And so, <clears throat> what this reminds us of is that a Marian spirituality is not merely one form of spirituality among others, but it is the one that has been given to us by Jesus. A Franciscan spirituality, thank God, has not been given to all people. But a Marian spirituality has. Earlier this week, I was speaking with a friend and telling him about this retreat. And he asked me, he said, well, who is this retreat for? Who is this Marian retreat for? And, I, you know, usually retreats are sort of geared towards people, religious or, or lay people. But I just said, this retreat's for everyone, because Mary is for everyone. This retreat knows no distinctions, because Mary knows no distinctions. I can't say that about the monastic life. I can't say that about the Ignatian exercises. But I can say that about Mary. I will. So let us then follow the same path that Jesus himself followed and become the truly Marian souls that he desires us to be. Amen.